Hey, this is Pastor Greg Evans from Calvary Assembly of God. I want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I pray that God will speak to your heart, that he will challenge you, and that you will be encouraged and that you will overcome by God's word and the word of your testimony. God bless you. Enjoy the service. God bless you. If you have your Bibles, amen. Praise God. If you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 4. We've been studying the book of Philippians, the letter that Paul wrote to the church. And uh, we've been talking about being a healthy church. How many want to be a healthy believer, a healthy Christian? Wave at me if you want to. How many want to be a part of a healthy body of Christians, the church, a healthy church? Amen. Well, friends, God tells us everything we need to know how to accomplish this, what to do to get there from wherever you are in your life. And we've been working through this book. And today is the final message in the series, uh, Healthy Church. And we want to talk about keeping the peace. Everybody say peace. Peace. Amen. This book is a series uh, or a, a letter uh, from Paul to the church, the Philippians. Uh, and it's about being healthy. It's about being in relationship that is godly, good and right. It's written in prison. Paul is in bonds when he's writing this letter. It is amazing to me that a man not just any man, we're talking about the Apostle Paul here, but a man who is locked up in prison facing the possibility of death would take time to write a letter and throughout the letter talk about how a church can be healthy and be filled with joy. It's amazing to me to think about the context of this. And he talks about healthy churches, which the church is made up of people. The church is not buildings, especially in Paul's day. They didn't have the kind of buildings and the, and the gathering places that we would have today. But Paul's not talking at all, nor does God ever mention the, the edifice or the building uh, that we worship in. He's talking about you and I. We are the church. Look at your neighbor. Say, you're the church. Tell your neighbor, you're the church. The church is made up of people that are healthy and God wants us to experience his joy because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And he wants us to have fullness of joy. And let me tell you how that joy comes. I'm recapping here, but that comes when we love and serve each other for the glory of Jesus. The true joy of the Lord does not. If you think somehow you're going to walk into a church service like this, and I'm going to tell you, there's the presence of Jesus is very strong in this room today. And he's always very present. He's an ever-present help in time of trouble. But if you think somehow you're going to just get joy because you got up, kind of went the extra mile to, to get dressed early and to get here, and, and you're just going to sit somewhere, and God's going to just come in and pour like a, you know, some joy in, it doesn't work that way. The true joy of the Lord comes when we submit, as the word that God gave through my wife this morning says, when we submit to him, when we surrender ourselves to him, we don't worry about what anyone else thinks about us, what anyone else cares or what their, what their opinion of us is. And we just come and submit to Jesus and say, here I am. And I begin to love and serve the body of Christ. Not what can the preacher preach to me today? Not what song can I like today? Not what comfortable seat I can pick out today. Or even if there's good coffee in the coffee shop, thank you. Whoever makes the coffee, somebody brought me a cup this morning, just out of the blue. Usually I, I go and get coffee. I'm always ready for a cup of coffee, but somebody, thank you, brother Randy Woodcock. He went out of his, he brought it and he served me a cup of coffee. And it was like, just, it was like manna from heaven. I needed it. Didn't even know I needed it right then. And I needed it. My point is this. You can't come expecting to get joy by just open hands in the sense of give me, give me. But we can expect it when we come to serve. Come on now. Serve. Serve the Lord and serve each other. It's the joy of the Lord that's your strength. And if you need strength today, if you need God's presence in your life and peace in your life, then come ready to serve. God wants you to be healthy. We've talked about our mission statement, Calvary. It is this, connecting people to Jesus. That is the most important thing we can do. Be witnesses for him. Tell people about Jesus. Amen? Amen. Connect people who need Jesus to Jesus. And then grow together in relationship and discipleship. I want to tell you what I mean by that. I'm going to just take a few extra minutes this morning to just kind of highlight this mission statement. Because I want you to realize when we are connecting people in relationship and discipleship, we're not just talking about Sunday morning church attendance. 
God never mentions Sunday morning church attendance as being a prerequisite to your health, your joy, your salvation, or anything else. Now, he tells us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, but that doesn't just happen on Sunday mornings. We are a community of believers, and we said it throughout this series, we're better together, and we need each other. And we need to be in relationship that is inclusive of discipleship. So we're growing personally in our relationship with Christ through study of God's word, through not just learning and growing, but also giving and serving others. We're getting ready, and I'm just making this a platform this morning to help, uh, help us understand this. We're getting ready to transition our midweek service times on Wednesday night to a little bit different format. Now, we're still having our midweek services. Don't think that this is a, a like, oh, finally, I don't have to come out on Wednesdays. And we want you here on Wednesdays. Our youth are going to continue to have their powerful anointed worship services in the back in the 300 building the student center and our rangers are going to continue to meet our mission at girls ministries are going to continue to meet but then on on wednesday nights at seven o'clock we're going to gather here uh starting the the first week in uh, september our midweek service is going to look slightly different the first wednesday of every month is going to be a prayer service and worship service right here in this room for everyone that's not plugged into one of these other ministries or serving it's going to be a powerful night of seeking the face of God together with specific prayer emphasis and spontaneous worship that we're going to let God just come and move and minister and speak to us. Amen. How many are ready for something like that? Come on. Come out and support that on that first Wednesday of every month. And this is going to be ongoing. And then the rest of the month on Wednesday nights, we're going to meet and we're going to gather in small groups to study the word of God together. Initially, we're going to start with a couple. We'll tell you more about what that looks like over the next couple of weeks. But we're going to gather together and study the Word of God in groups where we can learn and grow in our relationship. When we talk about growing together in relationship and discipleship, we're getting ready to make a place for that to happen. It's not just words on a paper. It's not just something we put on our, on our sta- uh, stationery that we send out. It is who we are. Amen. So we want to grow together in this relationship and discipleship, and then we want to serve our community in love. Let me tell you how that looks at Calvary. It already happens in a lot of ways. Last week, we gave away backpacks to our children in this church, and as well as needy families and, uh, in the community and in schools. We do this consistently and regularly, but we're getting ready to launch a food ministry in September. We just passed our big inspection uh, with Feeding Northeast uh, 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 Outreach uh, partner, and uh, we're getting ready to launch a food giveaway monthly where we're going to, and weekly actually, but we're going to serve our community, people in need, with food, and we need your help to do that. So there'll be more information coming out on that. We need you to see either, well, Sister Rendy's leading that, but uh, you can see Pastor Candace as well. She's helping partner with that. Uh, Rendy's not here this morning, but uh, please connect with us if you're interested in our food ministry. And we want to love our community and serve our community. We're also getting ready to do that by our, our uh, uh, young adult uh, ministry that is taking place. Pastor Justin and Candace are doing a phenomenal job of leading that ministry. And Pastor Justin is partnering with our Chi Alpha, Assemblies of God Chi Alpha Missions uh, Department, where he will be a missionary, an Assembly of God uh, home U.S. missionary on the St. John's Community College campus. As a church, we're partnering with them to get there. They've been going over there every week, the, the, uh, Pastor Justin and several of the, uh, of the young adults here, going over there and walking that campus and praying over it. And they're getting ready. When is the date that you're going to do the outreach? August 23rd. August 23rd. They're going to do an outreach where they're going to give away water and coffee and, uh, and just love the students on the campus there. And so be praying for that. My point is this. I give you all of that information, not just as an announcement. It has nothing to do with we, we want you to know about it. Put it on your calendar. Do that as well. But pray for us. Because we're, t- we're not just going to talk about a mission. We're going to do the mission. Amen? How many are ready to do the mission of the Lord? Partner with us. Be a part of all that God has going on. Connecting people to Jesus. Growing together in relationship and discipleship. And serving our community in love. Healthy churches are marked by healthy relationships. I don't have time to recap everything today. But just know that we have said throughout chapters 1 through 3. That we are better together. That we have to focus on the gospel. That we have to thrive in circumstances. And difficult circumstances. And God tells us how to do that. And then we have to rejoice by loving and serving. And then last week we talked about how Paul teaches the church to hold on to the gospel. Don't let it go. 
no matter what comes, hold on to this truth. Grow in that relationship with Jesus and stand strong in your faith. And today, just kind of wrapping all of this up, God has something to say to this house. He has something to say to you individually about keeping peace in your heart and in your life and in his church. So that's what we want to talk about today. If you can turn to chapter four, I'm going to read a couple of verses and then we'll hit the others as we work through this message this morning. Let me start by saying this. A healthy church is filled with God's peace. Can somebody say amen? Amen. A healthy church is a peaceful church. People want to come to a church where they feel the peace of God. I felt God's peace this morning. I felt his presence so powerful and there was just a sweet peace of, of being in his presence. But God's healthy church is also filled with people who are full of peace. So it's not just like God's peace just hovering in an atmosphere. It is you personally having peace tomorrow morning on Monday morning of all mornings. God wants you to have peace. When it's chaotic and you're running late and you're tired and you're, and you, you don't know what, you know, you got to get the kids to school and, and get them off with their lunches and you forget what, you can still have peace in the midst of all the trials. God wants you to have peace. But it goes a step further. A healthy church isn't just full of peace. It's not just full of people with peace. It is full of people who are peacemakers. Come on now. It needs to be your passion, your desire in every circumstance, whether it's at work this week, whether it's in this house on Sundays or Wednesdays or any other time we gather, maybe it's in Walmart. That's a place that needs a little bit of peace sometimes. Whether Wherever you go, you need to be a peacemaker. When people are fussing and fighting and yelling, even if it's, if it's your own kids or if it's your coworkers or whoever, you need to be a peacemaker. Let's read verse four. Always. Somebody say always. Say it louder. Always, always be full of joy in the Lord. <laughs> I say it again. Rejoice. Let everyone see that you are con- considerate in all that you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. So don't worry about anything. Wow. Don't worry about finances. I'm I'm, I'm just trying to think of some things that might be inclusive of anything. Don't worry about COVID. Don't worry about government. Don't worry about your job. Now, what God is not saying here is to not care. What he's not saying here is to not take precaution. What he's not saying here is that there's not something for you and I to do and to be considerate of all that's going on in our world and around us day to day. I am actually very grateful for those. And there's a lot of people out because they're either have, they have symptoms or they have tested positive. Even on, they're on the kind of the back end of that, of that COVID virus. I'm actually very thankful that they're considerate of everybody else and they stay home. And they, and they refrain from being in public areas where they're not embracing or shaking hands or whatever. I appreciate being cautious. I do. It is the right thing to do. And so I'm grateful, but we must not. And so staying home or, 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 or isolating for a period of time is not worry or, or being anxious. But friends, I want you to know something. We must not worry about the problems of our world that we're in. We cannot live in fear and anxiety. We must not. If we're going to be a healthy church, then we are a church that offers peace in the midst of an anxious world. We're a church that offers love in the midst of a loveless society. We're a church that offers hope when it seems very little hope abounds. But how many know the love and the hope of Jesus is all we need? Amen. So we're peacemakers. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Verse seven. Then you will experience what? God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus, verse eight. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true. You want peace? Then you gotta just fix your thoughts on Jesus. Fix your thoughts on his word. Fix your thoughts on things that are what? It goes on to say at this, fix your thoughts on what is true. Things that are honorable, that are right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. 
Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then who? The God of peace will be with you. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to praise God for his word this morning. God desires to give you peace. Maybe you walked into this room this morning lacking peace. Possibly you have a burden on your shoulders, a a heartache in your life, something that's challenging you right now. Maybe it's physical or spiritual or emotional or financial or relational, whatever it may be. Whatever area in your life you lack peace in, listen to me. It is God's great pleasure and his goodwill to grant you peace before you walk out of this building today. I believe that with all of my heart. That's his word. He wouldn't tell you not to worry about anything if it wasn't possible to not worry about anything. He wants you to not worry about anything. This is the word of Jesus in red letters in your Bible in John. You don't have to turn there. You can just listen. It might be on the screen. John chapter 14, verse 27. Jesus says this. I am leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Jesus, out of his own mouth, when he's on this earth, just prior to being crucified and surrendering his life for your sins and for mine, he says, I want to leave you with a gift. It is a gift of peace. Not the kind of peace this world, this world doesn't have peace to offer. Anything this world offers, friends, is temporary. Anything this world can give you, it will, it will burn up like that. It will disintegrate and fade in a moment. But the peace that God gives is an everlasting peace. The peace that God will grant you is a peace that will sustain you. It is a peace that will help you in your darkest hour. It is a peace that will comfort you in the middle of the night. It is a peace that passes all understanding in your life. Hallelujah. The peace of God. If you want that peace, wave at me like this. Just wave. Amen. I can't get you to shout this morning. I'll get you to move. So it's God's will to give you peace. But I want to kind of explain what that means and what that looks like. Peace is more than declaring a truce. You know, we have peace treaties among nations. But really all that is is kind of signing the paper that says, I won't do this if you don't do that. We're not really at peace with them. We're just refusing to fight temporarily. We're just kind of getting along with each other because, you know, it'll help us with other issues that we need to deal with. So it's a, it's a truce. It's just kind of like just drawing a line in the sand and say, I'll stay on my side. You stay on your side. We'll be good to go for a little while until the next problem comes up. And then we'll, we'll fight then unless we can come up with some other kind of treaty. Peace is not a truce. You need to get that because some, sometimes, hear me, sometimes we think we have peace because we, we are absent of the situation that causes us to lack peace. In other words, you're at peace because you called in sick today and didn't go to work. (laughs) And that's where all your troubles are, you know? So I'm on vacation this week, so I'm at peace. That's not peace. That's a truce. (laughs) That's a temporary hold. Is anybody following me this morning? Paul is talking to the church and he's talking about peace. He's talking about true joy comes from this place of peace with God and understanding that this is not a temporal thing. It is an eternal way of living now and forever. So what does peace look like? It's when when sources or reasons for conflict are eliminated. When it's eliminated, it's not just ignored or set aside. You need to, I'm going to tell you something. There's something taking place in the spirit this morning. I can't really put my finger on exactly what God is doing or how he's doing it, but I've sensed it from the very beginning of this service. And I've known exactly what God wanted to say in this message. And what I understand and what I recognize is that the spirit of the Lord is here today and he's working on the inside of us. And, and, and I think it is, uh, it is the, re- the reason for our response to him today thus far and ongoing up into the altar call in a few minutes. It is God doing something internally in us. He's saying, I don't just want to, I don't just want to kind of give you about an hour and a half of of joy in my presence. I want to eliminate some things that are disrupting your peace. He's here today to just get rid of, to clean out those things that have been just, just dragging you down and pulling you away and distracting your mind and breaking the things in your life that, that you know God has called you to and put in place for you. And today is a day of peace. Somebody ought to just shout peace. Amen. Pursuing peace. It's a challenge. 
But it is one that God gives us, and he gives us the strength to do it. So Paul says here in verse 6, three steps to peace is to be anxious for nothing. Just determine. Listen, this sounds, this sounds harder than it is. I think it's pretty telling that God would write it like this, that Paul would pen it like this. He doesn't say, like, try not to be anxious, and if you're anxious, you can do this and this. He just point blank says it, be anxious for nothing. Don't be anxious. So what, I'm, what I believe God is saying is this is a choice you get to make. Every day when you roll out of bed, you get to make a decision. Am I going to be anxious about this day, about the challenges before me, about the relationships I have, about my finance? Am I going to be anxious about stuff today? Or am I going to choose what God tells me I can do and be anxious for nothing? I get to make that choice. Listen, it is spiritual, but don't make it so hyper-spiritual that you can't attain it. You can attain it if you just get out of bed every day and you determine that this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I'm going to walk out my faith in obedience to the word of God and be anxious for, somebody say it, nothing. And then in that same verse, he says, but this is what you do. You pray about everything. Just pray about it. Just pray about it. I'm going to tell you, there's something that happens in the spirit realm when you start praying. There's something that takes place when you pray. And, and you may say, well, pastor, you know, I, I've heard you pray, or I've heard Pastor Joe pray, or I listen to these, these people that stand up here on the they pray, y'all pray eloquent prayers, and I don't know how to do that. So it's really hard for me to pray. Please don't, please don't compare. And, and please, if you're going to compare, don't compare yourself to my prayers. 99% of the time when I pray, I'm just going to God just like you do. Oh, God, I don't even know what to say. God, Jesus, help me. I'm desperate for you. But this is one thing I've learned on, on approaching God is I don't just approach him kind of haphazardly and kind of like, you know, here I am, God. Now you owe me something here. Listen to me. I don't do that. How do I come to God when I'm trying not to be anxious about something, but in everything, pray and seek the face of God. This is how I seek him. Oh, God, you are holy. God, you are worthy. God, you are mighty. Lord, there's nothing too difficult for you. All power is in your hand. I declare your praises. I sing your praises. I shout your praise. And when I began to worship at his throne and at his feet, I'm telling you, his presence moves into my life and anxiety seems to lift and I can petition the throne of grace with a clear heart and knowing that he hears me and he will respond. Be anxious for nothing, but pray about everything. And then he says this, be thankful in all things. I'm going to tell you, as simple as this sounds, friends, all you need to do is just do this. Just decide. I'm going to be thankful. I'm going to declare thanks to God. I could be dead this morning, but I breathed my first breath. I woke up and I, I thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just start finding the things that God has blessed you with and say thank you. And I'm not talking about this kind of just like passing. Oh, thank God for that. Thank God for that. Just get alone with God somewhere every day and just start listing the blessings that he's given you. Just get with him and say, thank you, Lord. I thank you for my wife. Thank you for my children. I thank you for the family that you've given me. And maybe you say, well, I don't have a family, Pastor. I, I'm, I'm, I'm familyless. I don't have anyone. You have a church family. Thank him that you're part of Calvary Assembly of God. I'm going to tell you something. You may say, well, you know, there's that person that sits next to me, and I don't know about them. They're still your family. We all got family members like that. Come on now. <laughs> Love them. Thank God for them and just see that your heart will change towards them. Thank God for everything. And then Paul's very clear about being self-restrained about our attitude towards material things. I want you to catch this because our world is consumed by material things. Even Christians, we can get so caught up in material things. Material things will be unimportant in God's kingdom. <laughs> he paves the streets in gold. It is his presence that we will long for. 
not the things that he can give us. So the first thing I want to just kind of dig in here with this morning, and I know you think, well, you've been preaching a long time already, Pastor, but this is point one. (laughs) I'm glad you're laughing. You got to keep peace in your relationships. Now, I know the very first thing you're going to think of when I say that is you're going to say, yes, I need, I just need more peace between my spouse and I, but listen, and that is true. We all need to keep peace in this relationship. My wife's on the front row. We got to keep peace, but I'm not just talking about your relationship with your spouse. You need to keep peace with your relationships with your brothers and sisters in this room. You need to keep peace with the people you work with. You need to keep peace with the, with the, with the grocery store clerk. You need to keep peace everywhere. I talk, I'm talking about being peacemakers everywhere we go. Listen to Paul in verse two of our text in chapter four. He says, now I p- appeal to Euodia and Syntyche, please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. If you belong to Jesus this morning, would you just wave at me? Just wave. I, I think that's probably close to 100% of people in this room. Some people wave with both hands. You really belong to Jesus. Listen. Please. Please, he says, settle your disagreements. There's some people in this room that need to settle some disagreements. You need to settle some disagreements at home. You need to settle some disagreements at work. You need to settle some disagreements with your neighbors. You need to settle some disagreements with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And I ask in verse three, he says, and I ask you, my true partners, to help these two women for they worked hard with me. He's talking about godly women. He's talking about people that love God. He's talking about people that serve Jesus, that work for the Lord. He says, please, he's talking to everybody in the church. He says, please help them do this. Peacemakers. I'm telling you, there's something powerful about this message today. We will never accomplish the mission that God has given us of connecting people to Jesus, of growing in discipleship and relationship and loving and serving our community with the glory of God unless we can learn to be peacemakers in every area of our life, starting in our homes, working through our, our work and in, in our uh, uh, areas of, of expertise, and then right into our church life in ministries. Be peacemakers. These were dedicated workers, laborers. But some kind of disagreement that was so significant that Paul makes it public. <laughs> so we're, I don't think we're talking here about like two, two women that were deciding who made a better chocolate cake. Okay, we weren't talking about one going, well, my recipe is better than yours. It's older than yours. And my mama and her mama and her mama before her made it. And the other one going, yes, but my new stuff is better than your old stuff. It's not like that. This is something significant in the body of Christ. Two godly women, two people serving the Lord for the kingdom of God, working and helping Paul in his ministry. And he's, it's so significant that he writes about it and makes it, he calls them out. He says, settle this thing. And by the way, to the rest of work to help make it happen. Love and serve each other. And he pleads with them to resolve their differences. And he challenges them to work together to make it happen. Even committed Christians have conflict. This is a word from the Lord today. We're talking about a healthy church. We can't look at conflict and somehow tuck our tails between our legs and run the other way and act like, well, that must not be a godly place. It must not be God's will for me. If there's conflict, there will always be conflict. The devil is on the prowl. He's always seeking to someone to devour someone to cause conflict with, but it is up to you and I to be peacemakers. Speak peace. When those conflicts become well-known, church members or other Christian friends must facilitate. I think, I think the church, I think we've, we're so afraid of offending someone. Is anybody with me this morning still? The lights are really bright, so I can barely see anyone after the second or third row here. I just want you to understand something. We must not be afraid of offending our brothers and sisters if we're going to them in love to try to help them work out a problem that there is. Whatever it may be. If you see your brother or your sister, your friend or your neighbor lacking peace in discord with someone else, don't think you're interfering or interrupting. 
if you do it in love and under the unction of God's spirit, go to them and say, let me help you. Let me pray with you at the very least. Let me encourage you. Be a peace speaker, a peacemaker. We must be. Number two is this. You got to keep peace in your circumstance, every circumstance. Don't worry about what? 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 Anything? So God's saying keep peace in every circumstance. Listen to verse four. We read it earlier, but always be full of joy. Don't worry about anything in verse five, uh, verse six. Tell God what you need and thank him. Verse seven, then you will experience God's peace. It will happen. Listen, anxiety and worry can be produced by just about anything. All you got to do, and and I'm going to tell you something, the media helps, doesn't it? (laughs) Just yesterday, Fred, is that the storm's name? Fred was coming through. And either last night or this morning, we, we barely turn on the news, barely, but I think it was last night we turned, or maybe it was this morning, Bev was reading it, and she turns it on, and, uh, and I think there's, what's the, the next letter is, is G, what was the name? Grace. Grace. Grace is coming now. Thank God for grace. <laughs> Hallelujah. And they just want to, oh, it's coming. You better batten down the hatches. It's getting ready to destroy you. It's probably going to wipe you out your whole house. You might as well pack everything in plastic floating bins because it's, it's all floating away. Just get ready, get ready, get ready. And it's just, it's just fear-mongering all the time, constantly, continually. If it's not about that, it's something political. If it's not political, it's something about the, the virus. If it's not that, it's something else. And it's constant. And it's, cont- and it's bombarding your life. It's bombarding your home, your marriage, your family, your finances. And God is telling us here, don't be anxious about it, but pray Pray, pray, focus your thoughts on things that are good. This is how you can have peace in every circumstance. I don't care if Fred's coming, if Grace is coming, if, you know, Matilda's coming. It doesn't matter. I don't care if there's bills due tomorrow that you don't know how you're going to pay. I want you to know something. It is God's good pleasure to speak peace over your life, over your home, your finances, your family, your children, your marriage, your ministry, whatever it is. You just got to begin to declare thanksgiving unto the Lord. Just say it every day. I thank you, Lord, there is enough money to pay my bills. I thank you, Lord, that you're going to give me wisdom on how to raise that money, on how to overcome this challenge I'm facing. I thank you, God, that you are in control and that you're bigger than my problem. I thank you, Lord. Nothing is too difficult for you. I thank you, Lord. you got to choose joy. There's too many Christians laying around on their bedroom floor going, I can't go to work. I don't know how everything's going wrong. I don't know what to do. Get up, go to work, pay your bills. And let me tell you something. God will change your circumstances if you choose joy. He will. I'm sick of depression. I'm sick of the devil fighting people with thoughts and anxiety and fear. I'm sick of him always telling people that they're going to, they're never going to overcome this. They're never going to get out of this slump. You shall overcome if you put your trust in Jesus. You will. I believe it. Listen, it's not just something I, I, I'm just like the power of positive speaking here. It's God's word. And I've experienced it. Oh, I've been down like you've been down. I've had my challenges. I've had my struggles. My wife has testified from this pulpit on more than one occasion of a situation, and my daughter Candace as well, of major anxiety and depression that just gripped their hearts. I'm telling you, we've gone through the battles just like you, but I can tell you one thing we've learned, that we have some battle scars to prove it, is that if you'll just praise Jesus, if you'll thank him for the good things in your life, if you'll take him at his word and walk by faith and not by sight, there is victory ahead, and you can learn to live in this place called joy. Peace is possible, the Bible says here in verse 7, through prayer, God's peace, it says this, will guard your hearts and minds. This word guard is a military term for standing guard duty. When you pray, what it's saying here is that you're calling God to guard duty over your life. You're calling God to guard you from the attacks of the enemy. From the things that will depress you and distress you and distract you and discourage you. You're calling God to his promises. So instead of worrying, I'm going to pray. 
When I pray, God says, yes, 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 here I am. Here I am. What do you need? When you begin to pray, God steps in and he pushes back the stronghold of anxiety and fear. He cuts off the head of doubt and depression. He goes to war with the demons and devils of hell. And let me just tell you something. He is bigger and stronger than all the forces of hell put together. Jesus is your victor. Jesus is your victor. And it's time to rise up. Child of God, son of God, daughter of God, man and woman, husband and wife, family, hear me. It's time to rise up and declare peace over your situation, peace over your home, peace over your church, peace over your business. When you're overwhelmed, just pray. You can have peace in every circumstance. Thirdly, you got to keep peace in your mind. Listen, I know what time it is. Bear with me just a few more minutes here. Listen, your mind is the battlefield. The Bible, over and over, from Genesis to Revelation, everything, every battle, every, it's all about overcoming what starts right here. Your thoughts. The Bible refers to him, God refers to him as, as fiery darts that the enemy shoots at you. He's pretty sly, and he's a pretty good archer. He, he knows exactly where to aim it. He knows exactly what fiery dart to hit you with and where to hit you with it. He knows what to do, but greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. I have what? I have the armor of God in my life to deflect the fiery darts that the enemy sends my way. I have the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, my feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. I have the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith. My loins are girt about with truth. And I can tell you, I can walk in the battle of the Lord knowing that I've already got victory. Why? Because I have his word on my side. His promises are yes and amen to those who believe them. Your mind is the battlefield. Our minds race with all kinds of negative possibilities. When this happens, when that happens, well, what if? Well, I wonder, I wonder if that person meant that when they said that. Come on. It's quiet now. I wonder if pastor was preaching about me. I bet he was. I bet, I bet nobody knows it, but I bet he had my name in parentheses next to that point. I'm sure of it. And because of that, I'm probably never going to go back to that church again. I'm not because I know he preached right. He knew about it and he, he, he preached right to me. I can promise you, friend, I don't, I, I, I want to be cautious. I never say never, but I don't believe I have ever preached one point with somebody in mind. I want you to know whatever God says from this pulpit, at least through me, and I believe through anyone he allows us to bring onto this pulpit, we are preaching his undivided word of truth. And if there is any conviction, because it happens to me all the time, let me tell you, that comes straight from the spirit of the most high God. Don't blame your brother, your sister, your spouse, or someone for telling on you or talking about you or the preacher preaching to you. It's just God. And if he's stepping on a toe, then just say, oh, me and run to an altar and repent and give it to Jesus. There's too much offense in the church. There's too much offense in our jobs. There's too much offense in our community. It is God's will and pleasure to give you peace, not anxiety and fear. You gotta have peace in your mind. Don't worry about what someone is thinking, saying. Most of the time, they're not even thinking about you. I'm serious, and I don't mean that in a harsh or mean way. I just mean we spend too much of our time worrying about what other people are thinking, and most of the time, they're thinking about their own issues. You got to keep peace in your mind. That's the starting point. Paul's really clear about it in verse eight. He says, now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true. Half the things you think the other people are thinking, you go, well, that's just not even true. Well, then don't think about it. It's not true. Fix your thoughts on what is true and what is honorable. It's not honorable if you're walking around thinking, well, they, th- they said this or he said that or what about this or what if this happens? That's not honorable. Think about it if it's right, if it's pure, if it's lovely, if it's admirable things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you've learned. In other words, tomorrow morning, do it again. 
Later tonight, when you're tired and you're sitting at home and you're exhausted from a long day and a long week and you're thinking about tomorrow, instead of just letting your mind wander again, just start thinking about what is true and honorable and of good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any, think on these things. Just think about those things again. Well, I thought about them this morning and now I'm back in this place, the slump again. Think about them again. Keep doing it until you create a discipline of overcoming your thought life. Oh, the devil's such a liar. We're exposing him today. I can just see right now, the enemy and, and little demons are just running in a thousand directions. Why? Because the word of God is exposing their lies and their deceit in your life. And I'm telling you, people are walking out of this building today free and full of the peace of God. I declare it over this house. There's peace in Jesus' name. There's peace in your marriage. There's peace in your relationship with your kids. There's peace today on your job. There's peace in your church. There's peace. The devil's a liar. The primary battlefield in every believer is the mind. You got to control your thoughts. In fact, this is what Paul also writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Listen, he says, we are human, but we do not wage war like humans. He tells us how to win this battle. In verse four of of chapter 10, he says this, we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture the rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. How? Through the word of promise, through the word of God. You have to base your behavior on scripture. If you want to overcome in your mind, peace of mind in Jesus name today, this I'm on my last point. I rushed through, but I know God is speaking. Don't get too excited. My last point has three sub points. (laughs) Keep peace. Listen, and don't run out of here when I say this, because I'm going to tell you something. It's going to hit home. Keep peace through your giving. Well, now, pastor, there you go. Talking about our money. Mind your own business, pastor. Well, I am because I'm in God's business. In all of this chapter, Paul's writing this letter. And it's amazing to me that verses 10 through 23, he talks about giving. Now, he's just come through this whole thing on peace. And he's not finished yet because he says this in verse 11. He says, now that I, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content or at peace. With whatever I have. It's very key to me when we talk about the things of God and the blessings of God and the provision of God and God meeting us and hearing us when we pray and not having anxiety and going to the Lord in prayer. It's very amazing to me that we want to just skip over every other aspect of our life, especially this one called giving. We don't like to talk about it because after all, I worked hard for it and it's my money. Well, you may have, but it's not your money. It's all God's. As a believer, everything we have is God's. He only asks us for 10% back off the top and then things beyond and above that and offerings and gifts and alms for the poor and the needy. Why? Because it's all his and he wants your obedience to his word and his faithfulness in your life. And if you want peace in your life, you've got to learn to be a generous giver. And Paul links it together, not Pastor Greg. The apostle Paul is what is who links us together. It is the spirit of God writing through him that puts this in connection with peace in our life. He tells us that we can have peace. He tells us how to have peace up to this point. And then he says this one final thing that you've also got to be a generous person, an obedient person. I don't have time to read it, but I challenge you to read chapter uh, verse 10 through 23 on your own. I'm going to highlight a few verses as we work through this quickly. Giving is a special privilege for the Christian. It is a privilege for you to be able to give. It's a privilege to write a tithe check out or text a tithe or go online to however you tithe. It's a privilege to take that first 10% and give it right back to Jesus. And it's a means to several ends. I want to, I want to highlight them quickly. It's a means to several ends in your life. Firstly, it's learning to obey God. He's the one that tells us to do it. So you learn to obey him. That's a powerful, powerful expression. When you begin to tithe, secondly, you are sharing in the expansion of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you tithe, when you become a generous giver into the work of the ministry, you are expanding through missions and through uh, evangelists and through ministries of the church that we've highlighted already this morning. You're expanding the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're a, you're a witness of Jesus through your giving. And thirdly, you're developing faith that you're going to trust God 
for your provision. It, there's something very peaceful for every tither in this room. And I would ask you to raise your hands, but I won't for, for the purpose of this. Listen, it, for every tither, they could testify to this right here. I know I can. That there is a sense of peace in knowing that God got the first 10% right off the top. I'm just telling you, there's something inside of me because of the other things I'm getting ready to say here in just a second. There's something inside of me that when God gets my first 10% and I do it with obedience, I do it with joy, I do it as, as Pastor Justin said earlier, with a cheerful heart, I do it as unto the Lord. I just have peace that God's got everything else worked out. He really does. I don't know how. I don't always know exactly his timing or his, or his framework that he's going to do it in. But I know that I know that I know that I know that God's word is truth and he is faithful to every part of it in my life. And when I give, he just says, here, let me open up the windows of heaven and bless him. Let me meet him where he's at. Let me provide for him. Tithing is one of the aspects of peace that we need to learn and get a hold of in our life. The world's trying to make us discontent with everything in the world and everything in our life. It's not enough. It's not enough. I bet there's not one person in this room today, myself included, who in recent days hasn't said, man, the housing market is so on fire. I think I'll sell my house and make a hundred thousand. <laughs> Almost everybody has said, man, I could make so much money right now. And there's nothing wrong with that. We should be wise stewards of our money. If you're selling, you got a good realtor. Tell me, no, I'm just kidding. I'm not, I'm not in the market to sell, but listen, it's okay to do that. I'm not preaching against that. What I'm preaching about and what God is saying to us is don't get caught up in the material things of this world. What can I just do to gain and get more and do more for me so I can buy more and have more the toys and all the material things mean nothing to God and they will mean nothing to the believers in eternity. Nothing wrong with them. If they don't have you, it's okay to have them. But the world will tell you it's not enough. But Paul says he has no longing for anything material. He says, I've learned how to be at peace when I have a lot, and I'm at peace when I have nothing. I'm at peace when I'm sick, and I'm at peace when I'm well. I'm at peace in the valley. I'm at peace on the mountain. I'm at peace. I'm at peace. Why? Because he learned the secret in the promise of generous givers. It comes, true peace of mind comes when we learn to give more. Giving sends the gospel around the world. I want to give just to help one more person hear about Jesus. I want to give so that somebody, listen, and, and giving comes in our time, our talent, and our treasure. Give some time to the, what if, what if something you do around here or in a ministry, serving in one of our kids' ministries or our, our, our youth or, or any other outreach ministry of this church, what if what you do touches one life for Jesus and wins them to Christ? Be a generous giver of your time, your talent, and your treasure. The Philippians were supporters of Paul early on. In fact, he says, in the beginning, you were with me. And they had sent aid before in Thessalonica. So he stops and says, thank you for doing it again. I think this is God saying to us, listen, just because you did it once isn't enough. Just because you did it last week, do it again. It's consistency in your obedience to God. Is anybody still with me? It sends the gospel around the world. Missionary work, pastoral leadership, it's all accomplished through giving people. And it doesn't happen through, I love projects. It's good to give to a project. It's great to know you're building a church somewhere or you're, you're able to help with, uh, you know, giving backpacks to needy kids or whatever. That's wonderful. But it doesn't happen. We can't just give when there's a really cool project before us. We have to give consistently and faithfully because it makes the work of the ministry go forward. It's quiet in here now. Secondly, we give to care for the leaders and the missionaries and the workers. They need taken care of. And so, Paul, you have to read it for yourself because of time, but Paul's very clear here. Give. Listen, it's not just the pastor and the missionaries that lack when you don't give. You lack when you don't give. The church lacks. The ministries of the church lack. And then lastly this morning, and I'm, I want you to hear this the right way because I know somebody's getting ready to gasp really loud. Give to receive from God. Now, pastor, I thought you said you don't believe in that prosperity stuff. Well, I don't believe in it to the degree that it's taught sometimes 
but I do believe in the word of God. Let me explain what I mean. When we give to get something, it's selfish. But when you give, God delights in giving to generous people. He delights in it, Trevor. He takes great delight when you're faithful in your giving, when you're faithful in everything. I'm telling you, there is a, is a, the father is delighted, delighted in coming and speaking peace over your life. Peace in your finances, peace in your family, peace in every area of your life. So you do give to receive. Not because you just want something. I'm not, you can't, it doesn't work this way. I'll give a hundred and expect a thousand. I'll do this and God, you have to do that. No, I give out of obedience. I give sacrificially. I give because I love Jesus. I give because he tells me to give. And because I do it out of a right heart, out of a right motive, out of a love for my God, then I'm telling you, he says, I will open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on you that's bigger than you know how to contain. It won't look the way you thought it would look, but peace comes when you decide I'm going to be a generous giver in every area of my life, my time, my talent, my treasure at work, at home, in the church, wherever I go, I'm going to be generous to others. And mostly and firstly to Jesus. And God will bless you. It's called financial peace. How many want financial peace? Wave at me. It's not going to happen because you can make $150,000 right now in the, in the real estate market. It's going to happen when you learn to be generous to God and to others. Verse 19 says, God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. It just works. It really does work. In fact, if you've found that it works in your life, would you just wave at me just, or say praise the Lord or something? Praise Amen. Would you stand together with me across this room this morning? The Spirit of the Lord is here. He's ministering. He's speaking to hearts. There's many in this room. There's many watching online. There's people that needed to hear this today because you're lacking peace. I said it earlier, giving's a privilege. You expand the gospel, you support ministry, you assure yourself of God's supply. But here's what I want you to know. It's not about giving alone. It's not about being peacemakers alone. It's all inclusive of every part of this message. That's why Paul wraps it all up in chapter four of Philippians. Peace is God's good pleasure for your home, your family, your life situation. And it's possible today, whatever you're going through. Every head's bowed, every eye's closed. No one's looking around right now. I want you to just receive God's peace. I want you to find peace today. Maybe you came in here and you don't know Jesus as your savior. The first step to receiving total peace is surrendering your life to Christ. That's the word he gave earlier. to this body is surrender give it to him you got to give him your life first